You are listening to the Small World Podcast with me, Detanga Small. On this show, I want to provide a soapbox for travelers to tell their stories. This all started in January of 2014 when I first traveled abroad by myself. Throughout the next two years, I visited and lived in over 20 countries. But surprisingly, my most vivid memories weren't the beautiful sights of the Machu Picchu or the history of countries in Eastern Europe. It was about the people that I met on the road and the stories that they told me. That's why I started this podcast, to provide a platform so that those stories can be told to a bigger audience. And for you, the listener, to hear perspectives about the world that you may not have considered before. So without further ado, let's get the show started. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the other side. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is 5.30 where I'm at right now. Um, And usually I would say this is from Toronto, but it actually isn't for once. Uh... I am in Montreal. Uh, I recently made a move here. Um, And yeah, I I moved here because I wanted a bit of a change. I love Toronto, but um, Montreal has always had a place in my heart for how much fun it can be. Uh, Little did I know how cold Montreal would be this winter. Um, So I am suffering a bit. But beyond that, I mean, hey. We're always up for new challenges and new things. It's it's just one other part of uh, of my travel adventure. But today I'm quite excited because um, today I get to talk to somebody who generally who who, do, who does almost the opposite of what I do. And what I do when I travel is I try to go to as many countries as I can, um, and that's for better or for worse because sometimes you get good quality time and sometimes you only spend like maybe a day or two in a country. Um, but I'm speaking to someone today who's uh, about to make, I believe, their third or fourth trip. We're going to find out in a bit. But their third or fourth trip to uh, to Iceland. And so, basically, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's going to be a blast. Um, so, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Ellis Rockburn to the show. So, Ellis, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Perfect. How's it, how, how's, how's it going? It's good. It's cold as well in Ottawa. It's... Uh... It fluctuates from in the positives to the minus, so I've just given up on uh, on trying to guess. Yeah, so I'm just wrapped up in a giant jacket at all times now. I, I feel like I need a blanket at all times now. Um, yeah, I felt like I needed that before in Toronto, but like now it's uh, it's yeah. I I got a Google Home Mini for Christmas, and I found it to be uh, limited in its abilities, but it tells <laughs> me the weather before I go outside now. So it actually ends up being probably the biggest lifesaver in the world see i'm like i'm curious though like is it more like you ask this home mini thing yeah it's just as if you were to look it up on your phone but you say hey google what's the temperature outside in celsius because it keeps telling me in fahrenheit which is useless to me but yeah it's slightly slightly hands-free i can brush my teeth while i do it well it's kind of i mean i don't know if you speak with like a, a lot of americans or anything but like every time i talk to an american and the topic of weather comes up they're always just like yeah it's 40 degrees right now and i'm like what the hell I, yeah i have no <laughs> idea what that means yeah like i have no like are you cold are you warm just tell me yeah. that um but no uh no it's good to have you here uh i mean right now it's cold over here but uh, like generally speaking um you do tend to travel quite a bit, at least from from what I gleaned from you before. 
Yeah, I've done a, I've done a good amount. I haven't uh, I've never gone too far across the globe yet. I've gone south from here a good amount to the states and a couple times to the you know Central America, Caribbean, um, and then as you mentioned, I, I'm planning my fourth trip to Iceland. Ah, uh, so um, it's four. Yeah, yeah, I've done three so far. The fourth is going to be quite short. It's only going to be for like, it's just kind of tacking it on to the end of another trip. Um, but uh, I've done a, a decent amount of Europe as well. I haven't done Asia or anything like that yet, but those are obviously on the uh, on the agenda at some point. But So, I mean, before we even get into the, the whole Iceland part, like, tell me about your travel history. Like, what, what, well, what got you traveling in the first place? Um, my mom was a big traveler. My dad was as well, but my mom did a lot for work. She worked for the government and she worked pretty high up. So she would go for conferences and stuff like that. Uh, and she would bring back like a lot of the money. Like we had this really interesting basket in our house that was filled with all the money of different places. And I've also just been a really big geography nerd. Um, most of my university lectures were spent playing sporkle geography quizzes and my apartment is filled with maps. Um, to, even to the pillows in my old apartment, there were map pillows. Um, so I've just always kind of had an interest in it. Um, and then when I was about 22, you know, we did family trips and stuff like that. But when I was about 22, um, and this is not meant to get heavy, but my mom passed away, but she left me a little bit of, uh, a little bit of money on the side. And I oh, figured, I'm sorry to what, hear that. Yeah. Well, I figured what better way to kind of use that than do kind of what she found to be her biggest passion, which was travel. So I did a big two month trip, um, two month trip with it. I was just at a university. So I did the classic, the classic, uh, post-university Euro trip. Um, yeah. I did it alone, which was uh, a big kind of change for me. And uh, I stopped with some, you know, I, I stayed with friends along the way in certain countries where I had people to stay with. But uh, the majority of it was completely alone, which was quite interesting. And um, and then I got hooked. I, I never planned to go to Iceland in particular. Um, originally, it was just going to be, you know, England, Scotland, France, Belgium, you know, just kind of the yep. northwest part. Um, and I hadn't booked my flights yet. Uh, and one of my friends said, oh, you know that Iceland does that deal um, where you can stop over, you know, for up to 10 days and they don't count it as two separate flights. So you could stop in Reykjavik, you can stay up to 10 days and then fly out to another European capital and they consider that one flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was an open book. I was going alone. I had no kind of structured plan. So about two days before booking my flights, I decided to tack it on. Stayed seven days on my first, um, on my first go around. And, um, it's just been my favorite place ever since. So I went back within the year for the second trip and then just over a year, um, for the third trip. So I've I've gone three times in three years. It's been about a year, a bit more now than I've been. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm already, my, I'm jonesing already. So I might, I might rewind on this a bit actually, because, because yeah, yeah. you mentioned, um, you mentioned that you did a Euro trip, uh, as you, you basically did a two month Euro trip. Uh, it's funny cause I did something similar. Um, yeah. I mean, was, it's, it's the kind of, yeah. you know, it's the classic. Yeah. Yeah. It's accessible. It's really friendly to do it alone. It's, um, easier to understand. I mean, like tons of people do their trips to Southeast Asia and stuff, which is fantastic, but you know, it is slightly more accessible. People talk English a little bit, you know, you don't have to stretch as far. It's not as quote unquote difficult of a travel, I think. Yeah. Um, And also just, it was cheap at Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. No, totally. And I mean like, oh, well, I mean, that's, that's the big thing, right? It's like 
it's it's cheap not only in the sense of of like being in these places, but it's also cheap to travel between them. That's it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, the travel between them is big. I, I remember looking up a list. It was like the top ten most expensive cities in the world, and because I chose to go to like the Scandinavian countries a little bit, things mm-hmm. like that. And so I looked. I looked at the list of ten most expensive cities to visit, and I think six or seven of them were on the list. So <laughs> can I um, can I guess three of them at least being Oslo, yeah. Stockholm, and yeah, back to two of them. I didn't actually get to Norway myself, so I okay. didn't go to Oslo. But that is, I probably would have been the most expensive. But I mean, London itself pretty expensive. Paris was okay. Mm-hmm. Copenhagen, Copenhagen was pricey. Um, and, and Reykjavik honestly is super expensive as well. It's yeah. dirt to get there. Um, but obviously everything on the Island is imported. Mm-hmm. And so everything just comes with a higher price tag. Well, Copenhagen's brutal, like in terms of prices and stuff. I yeah. remember well, like, and the worst part too, is that I went to Iceland, Denmark and Sweden for a couple day trips and mm-hmm. they all have, they all use kroner as mm-hmm. their uh, currency, but their kroner all have their own values. Yep. And so right when you adjust to one um, is right when you get unsettled. So I remember going into a, a hair salon, like a middle-aged women's, you know, the big cone over the head with the hair full of foil uh, style hair salon. It was the only one open in Copenhagen on Sunday where I was. And I just wanted to get a haircut. It was towards the end of my trip. Mm-hmm. And I asked the woman, you know, how much would it be for a guy's haircut? I don't think they got many guys in normally. And she said the words in Kroner, and I, in my head, started doing the math with what I had gotten used to in Iceland. And it was going to be an expensive haircut. It was like, I, in my head, I was like, eh, 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 50 bucks. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. in my trip, whatever. I remember looking at my bank balance. It was like $120 haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Oh, Oh, I, I know the I know the feeling. When I was in uh when I was in Norway, um I went to get uh, it must have been three yeah, I got three tacos and a beer and it came up to like forty five dollars <laughs> Canadian and I was I I didn't realize what the value was in Kroner and I was like, Oh, like this couldn't yeah. be that bad. Nope. It was bad. Yeah, I, yeah. They're really I mean they're the best places to live on earth for a reason, right? I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to pay for what you get, I suppose. Um, yeah. But I mean, like traveling alone, were you, were you more of like a, a hostel traveler? Like, cause that's what I did. Or were you more did, of like a hotel person? 50, 50. I did. Uh, if I could find a, a reasonable, like I think it was hotwire.com was the big one back then. Uh, if I could find a reasonable price in a hotel, I tried to pepper them in just because, you know, you get your own bathroom and it's a little bit, you know, a little bit more luxurious. You can recharge a little bit more. Um, but I did do hostels. I did hostels. And, uh, the big one that I did was in Copenhagen. That was the, the generator hostel, which is a big chain. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a ton of fun. And I mean, there is such an element to hostels, especially traveling, traveling alone that, that gives you an advantage. Um, because in terms of like getting to know strangers the most, um, the hostels definitely did that. But I also had friends kind of also peppered in in there. So like in London, I stayed with two different high school or um, university friends. So I did a little bit of mix of all three, stayed with some friends, stayed in some hotels, stayed in some hostels. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, uh, how many, first of all, how many countries did you go to when you were there? I did for the big trip. I did, uh, Iceland, England, Scotland, France, Belgium, um, Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden. I was supposed to do Germany and I didn't end up going because a very friendly, you know, like a, an acquaintance of mine said I could stay with him. I sent him the dates 
I got into Europe. I sent them a message saying, I'm here. These are the days I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And I never heard back. I never heard back. Oh, my God. And my flights were booked out of Berlin. Like oh. I had planned everything. And I didn't hear back ever. And then so I changed my flights at the last minute. I, I was It was only going to be about four days at the end in Berlin. I switched him to fly to Copenhagen because um, I couldn't get a hold of this guy. And then it turned out that all of his messages were in that um, – others facebook oh my god and he was like yeah (laughs) come on when are you coming i'm so excited (laughs) to see you i had to like pay a hundred dollars just to reschedule my flights because i missed it but uh so i did those ones those were the those were the i guess that would have been seven i don't it didn't count but i did quite a bit and i did about five to eight days or ten days in in um in each it kind of fluctuated depending on the city and depending on if I had friends there or not. Yeah, no, for sure. And cause like I figure when you're, when you travel alone, um, being social is like one of the biggest points of yeah. traveling alone. Right. Like, um, so I guess like who, who did you meet anybody there that you you still know today and are still like friends with today? Um, I didn't actually, I don't keep in touch with many of them. I got, I got kind of, um, connected with friends of friends in certain cities, uh, I, I was really lucky as well because I was traveling right during the Winter Olympics. It was the Sochi Olympics, I believe. So in mm-hmm. 2012, or no, that doesn't make sense. No, it was 2014, 2014 I yeah, yeah, 2014. Yeah. Um, which was like, a, especially in those kind of northern countries, it was such an easy icebreaker because it was on TV everywhere. And so, you know, if you're in the Netherlands, you just turn to someone to make a comment about speed skating and you, they're your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, so I got really lucky in that sense. I got connected with some people. Um, the the big stroke of luck was I got connected with someone who was the head of um, an international students union okay. in in Amsterdam. Um, and so they took me out, and they were bringing me to parties where everyone was just meeting each other for the first time. So it really didn't matter that I was traveling alone. I just kind of fit right in. Um, which is quite nice, but I don't actually keep in touch with many of the people I met. They're all, you know, evening escapades of meeting up with someone and getting a drink at a bar and then mm-hmm. saying goodbye. And I couldn't even tell you any of their names. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, no, that sounds, that sounds just about, that sounds just about right. Like you remember the events that were there, but like the people themselves, I mean, it's yeah, more difficult yeah. to discern. I remember their faces yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that's the other thing too. Is just like it's also the time difference. It's like how do you keep up a proper, I guess, like relationship or anything like that when yeah, <laughs> there's that like six hour time difference basically. Yeah, one of the things that's kept me going back to Iceland as well is I do have some friends who who live there now. I got um, connected with them through a friend in Toronto. They went to school in uh, in Toronto for the time being, and they've moved back since. So. Um, it's been quite nice to have them there. And part of the reason I'm thinking of going back for the fourth time is, um, they, they, they gifted me for my birthday. I went for my birthday last time. My friend gifted me for my birthday at a team Iceland, uh, soccer Jersey. And so now that they're in the world Cup for the first time in the smallest mm-hmm. country ever to make the world cup, the, the trip I'm going to be taking later this summer, which is to Serbia, um, lines up right when the world cup starts. And so on the way back, um, the plan so far is to to spend a night or two in Reykjavik and catch catch a game on the projectors downtown with everybody. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. Let's 
Why don't we, um, okay. One last question before we get into the Iceland part, actually. Um, what was your favorite country that you visited outside of that? Outside of Iceland, I would say probably Denmark. Um, I did like Copenhagen a lot. And honestly, I do think it was due to the people that I met in the hostel. Um, I got lucky and met an Australian guy who was friends with someone who lived in town. So the local showed us around, which is a really big advantage. Oh, yeah. And closer to the last nights that I spent there, some um, more outlandish and um, boisterous characters came into the hostel. So <laughs> so whereas my first couple of nights were just kind of, you know, spent mostly alone exploring, the last couple of nights were pretty much every every person in the hostel went out together, which was uh, quite an experience. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I think it gets funny because like, well, first off, you mentioned that you met an Australian. Um, and number one thing I realized is while traveling is like, you will meet an Australian. Yeah, always. yeah true, right? It's, it's yeah. like the most apparent thing ever. I never figured out why. Yeah, um, yeah basically. Um, but no, like I find it funny that you say that like the it was the meeting people that made you enjoy like Denmark as well. Um and I find yeah. I find that to be the case. Like Yeah, it's not I mean like the the traveling alone and there were some cities I was in where I didn't see anybody. Mm-hmm. Um and just funnily enough, those are the cities where I seem to have the most boring of times. But hmm. you know, you could enjoy the sights and whatnot. You know, Bruges was great, but I was alone and it mm. was not a party city. I went to Bordeaux for some reason, and it was winter when I traveled. Okay. Um, so I, I, I picked Bordeaux, and then I got there, and I was like, wait a second. None of the vineyards are, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and, like, the, 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 the two museums I wanted to see happened to be closed for renov- renovations or something like that. So it is funny how the people really do make a difference when, you're, when you are traveling. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, I mean, like, uh, I, I can't even imagine the amount of times you're, like, the the vibe of basically it was something I talked about in a in a previous episode, but like I always found like the vibe of a city um, is what makes me like being or yeah a vibe of a city is what makes me like being in a city yeah um, and a, a lot of the vibe is contributed to by just the people there like even if you're not communicating with them directly yeah I did a recent trip to um, the Azores in Portugal and that was the that was the first trip where we didn't know anybody. Um, we couldn't drive, mm-hmm. couldn't really speak the language, but the people just made it so interesting because we did these these day trips with with different people, you know, like a boat tour and a and a jeep tour, and getting to meet them and having them say, you know, you got to try this place, you got to try that place, and you know, Airbnb is also such a game changer as well because then you just you know you're staying with someone who lives in that city and can point things out to you, and it's it really is a it was an amazing trip simply because of the people that we met along the way. Okay. Now I'm curious about the Azores because it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because like when I made that statement just now, I was thinking about Portugal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. They take, they take such pride in, in, I mean, I can't speak to mainland Portugal. I've never been, but they t- they just take so much pride in their, in their city and, the, and it's just so beautiful and it's safe and it's, you know, mm-hmm. there's no point you could walk out, 1am in in the city and you can't speak a lick of Portuguese, but people are waving, people are nodding. Mm -hmm. Very similar to Bermuda, I found too, but it's a bit different because it's just a (laughs) pure paradise. 
I mean, both of those are islands, basically, right? Yeah, islands I mean, with really perfect temperature. Yeah. Seems to do it. I feel like that's like, I feel like that's part of it, too. Like, I feel like the weather there and like the actual climate contributes to people being like that. Because, I mean, yeah. do, do you find in like in Canada that, um, that people, when it's cold, that people are colder and that when it's warm, that people are warmer? Like, do you find that? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting thought. I've always made the joke and it's probably not offensive, but <laughs> I've always made the joke that, you know, go and look at the list of the happiest places on earth and look where they are in relation to the equator. And mm-hmm. then go look at all the countries that have the highest murder rates in the world and look at where they are <laughs> in comparison <laughs> to the equator. I don't like heat uh, that much. So places where it's like a balmy 23 degrees all the time is mm-hmm. right up my alley. <laughs> so, but, I mean, but those places are so rare, right? Like, I mean, yeah. what what's included in that? I'm I'm thinking maybe like, Odd parts Bermuda. of California, Bermuda. Yeah, Bermuda was mine because it's like there's something to do with the you know the wind and the currents and stuff, and it's it just never gets below 16 degrees, and it doesn't ever seem to go above like 26 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to the point where you're just you know you're just stewing in your own skin. It's just kind of warm. You'll sweat a bit, but it's breezy. <laughs> it's nice. It's uh yeah, it's very rare to see those places like that, but. The Azores definitely seemed like one because it got cold when we were there, but it also got almost not brutally hot, but it got it got warm. And we were there in September. It wasn't even necessarily the hottest of the of the year. Was it humid though? Like like was it like a humid sort of heat? De- really depended. It vastly depended on where you were mm-hmm. on the island. So I'm assuming um, like closer to the water would be like. Yeah, well, well, both Azores and Iceland are they've got the they've got the geothermal. They're both very young in terms of like. Uh, the actual physical geography mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the, you know, islands of that size, they're two of the youngest. Um, and because of that, there has that, there is that geothermal power. So in the Azores in particular, if you get it inside the, the island, it seems to just be more humid. We also stayed in the geothermal like city, like the city that, uh, that is right around all the, all the kind of active volcanoes. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas it's, it's flipped in Iceland. If you're, if you're along the coast, it's a little bit warmer, but if you go into the center of the island, you're just going to freeze your, your lips off. Okay. Okay. So that, oh, actually that, that totally makes sense then. Um, mm-hmm. I, okay. But about the Azores, like what made it so like, I know we talked about the vibe and the people and stuff, but like what else contributed it, to that? It's just a very, it's, I mean, it, the, the views are, are kind of unbeatable, but it's, there's a gigantic range of, like microclimates within. So there's rainforest and then there are certain kind of pastures and, and kind of rolling fields that have a very, you know, uh, East coast of Canada feel or a, a Scotlandy feel. Mm-hmm. There are perfect beaches and really warm water. There are mountains that you can climb up and then it's getting a little chilly and it's getting a little misty. It's, you know, no snow capped or anything like that, but there are just so many different climates that it's, you know, and it's such, it's a series of small islands, but we just stayed on, the main island, we stayed on San Miguel. And mm-hmm. even there, I mean, you could take a two-hour drive and you were in a vastly different climate than you were before. Um, and they're all just, it's just lush. It's green. The food is fantastic because it's all yep. fresh seafood. It's dirt cheap booze. It's, you know, it's just, it was really, a, it was a, a gem. And and funnily enough, what sold me to, we were thinking of places to go um, and someone had written on Reddit or something. I, I don't know a lot about reddit but apparently on reddit someone wrote um it reminds me a lot of a warmer iceland 
<laughs> and I just went, all right, yep. <laughs> yep. Book the tickets. Yep. That that would be, yeah, that actually totally makes sense. Because like, I think it's funny because the Azores, it's not really a tourist destination. Like, Not yet, but it, it feels, you can feel that it's coming. Um, mm-hmm. The guy that we took a boat tour with apparently was the first person on the island. This is how small the Azores are too. And I may be generalizing, but our mm-hmm. Airbnb host in the city that we stayed in, the, the um, Ponce Delgado, the main one, mm-hmm. uh, we took a boat tour later on and the guy driving the boat went, oh, you're staying at um, so-and-so's place. Yeah, yeah, he's a very good friend of mine. We went, what? <laughs> <laughs> they just know each other, they're high school buddies. And then the Airbnb host is telling us that the um, the guy who ran the boat tour is the first first person on the island to create a hostel. Oh. Like a guest house. So you can feel in the town that it's coming. Mm-hmm. And when you're there, it makes sense. It just seems too cheap and too too um, perfect. You know, yeah. pers- it just it doesn't, wouldn't make sense. And they do get cruises and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you'd think September would be a prime time to travel. It's still pretty warm. But it wasn't – you didn't really see a lot of tourists there yet. Um, but we saw a lot of lists, you know, saying – go here soon before, you know, before it, uh, blows up too much and Mm -hmm. those types of things. Well, that's what I tell people about port, like like mainland Portugal too. I'm just like, like, it's not on the, it's not going to be on like a top 10 list of like, of countries or cities to visit or whatever, but you really should go because it's like an underrated gem. For sure. Yeah. Well, if it's anything like the Azores, and I mean, they they very much pride. I mean, the Azores they pride themselves on how different it is, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm sure I'm sure there are some similarities. Well, I mean, let's. Well, with that being said, let's transition to the 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 I guess the colder brother of the Azores, and let's yeah. talk about let's finally talk about Iceland. Like, oh. yeah, I mean, Iceland to me is the it's the best place on earth. Um, I you know I can't. It's hard to describe honestly. It's a it's a I find it's a very hard island to describe and. I was the first of my friends and family to go. Uh, a lot of people are obviously going. The tourism, the change in tourism, you know, the gear towards it that they that they did um, is really working. I think every single year they get more visitors than more Americans alone than people who live on the island, let alone tourists in general. Yeah. Um, and it's and I I keep thinking I'm overblowing it when I tell someone, and I've had a few friends all go since and. The first thing they tell me is you didn't you didn't overblow like you it it was just as good as you said it was going to be, which is a relief because I thought I was just being a little weird. But (laughs) it's yeah it's it's really hard to describe. I mean, if you've ever looked at pictures of the countryside, it's it's just dramatic. Yeah, Uh, looks it looks like a like a alien planet in certain places, and to the point where I've learned that they practice the the moon landing in Iceland. Really. Um, yeah, they, they practice Neil Armstrong and then practice in Iceland because that was, I guess, the closest. I don't know why they did it, but oh, like like you mean like they went through like the entire like like this is what you would do when you land on the moon. But yeah, they- that, well, from my understanding, yeah, it was that they had kind of they used that as a as a kind of test surface for I guess maybe you know the the mechanics of leaving the module for the first time, and they mm-hmm. chose to do it in it. Anyways, it, it really does feel like a, an alien planet in certain places, but. The city itself then is just Reykjavik, obviously, because mm-hmm. the island has about 350,000 people, but I think about 290,000 of them live in Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's, I've tried to describe it so many times and it's hard to, to kind of put my finger on it, but the best way I can describe it is imagine a, 
like a, an east coast of Canada fishing town, like Alaska, mm-hmm. you know, where the buildings are kind of pastel colored, tin sided. They don't look necessarily that nice. It's just kind of bare and it looks like a frontier village out in the, you know, like a coastal frontier town. But instead of resorting to hunting and outdoorsy stuff, which they still do, they just decided to be really weird with <laughs> art and stuff. Like okay. in the sense of like their their visual art is really out there and you know their music scene is enormous and really out there. People obviously go to Bjork, but there are way weirder people making music there than Bjork. Okay. She seems about middle of the pack when you see some of the other ones and uh the fashion is really forward and the food is out of this world. I mean it's when you, really, say the, when you say the fashion is forward, like what do you mean by that? Because, well, you see, like you'd think for an island that's so remote, everything gets imported. Um, I mean, they're not disconnected culturally. Obviously, they're they're quite they're they're Scandinavian, and obviously, as a reputation, Scandinavian countries are usually kind of forward thinking. But mm-hmm. you know, you go there, and they've got they've got you know uh, kind of these thrift shops that you'd see, you'd think you you would mistake for a, a Queen West, you know, Queen Street West thrift shop, you know, this very mm-hmm. trendy, um, you know, whatever the trend is that, you know, in the world or in, in the Western culture, you're probably going to see parts of in there um, mixed in with obviously like traditional Icelandic sweaters and stuff and wool and, um, and like tactical outdoor gear because it's a necessity in some ways, but it just feels like a, it feels like a very young city. It feels mm-hmm. like it's very driven by young people in a lot of ways. Um, both in the music and the, or music and the food and the art and the fashion and kind of everything. It, it feels quite, um, you know, you can mistake it for, for Stockholm or something like that. And just the kind of the general vibe there. Well, I mean, let's, okay. Because you mentioned fashion already. And now I'm curious about food because like when I used to live in Sweden, um, I found that the food choice was quite similar to like to, to Canada's basically, where it was just like, you have a lot of international food, Chinese, Italian and so forth. Yeah. Well, um, there, there's definitely that aspect. There's, uh, there's a, a bizarrely large Thai scene there. Okay. Um, and by large, I mean, again, Reykjavik, I mean the downtown part of Reykjavik, which is where you would usually be if you were traveling to Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's usually where the sites are. The rest is quite residential, but you know, there's to say a big scene, I'd say there's like six notable restaurants, but mm-hmm. it's quite a small city. So, um, but the food there is, it's expensive. It is on the expensive side to go eat in restaurants there, but there are quite a few restaurants there that as someone who worked in a kitchen for, for 10 years, there are places there that, that I would say are deserving of Michelin stars or they, they're at least restaurants that seem like they're pushing for a Michelin star in that sense that it's out there and the, the presentation is kind of, you know, wow, you know, creative and, mm-hmm. um, and the quality is just crazy. It's, you know, you're getting blue langoustine that's caught that day or the day before, and you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, the fishes, they, they're the biggest, um, fishery deposit in, in Europe. You know, they, they export the most fish out of these countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, the quality of the ingredients are really good. The lamb, because it's one of the few animals that, that kind of lives there. Um, so the food is, yeah, the food is out of this world. I mean, there's some, some crazy places out there. And then there's some quite traditional places, um, which is the kind of interesting mix is you get the, you know, you get your, 
your langoustine tails served to you in a fancy restaurant for 80 bucks and it's this extravagant dinner Mm -hmm. and then they've got the super traditional viking dish which people may or may not know about which is the notorious um uh fish the fermented the fermented shark Mm -hmm. um which is no one there eats they just like to watch tourists eat it and then laugh at them (laughs) um it's the worst thing you'll ever taste in your entire life um, I have ate it myself. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's a bit of a, a stretch. And, and, uh, if you watch I think it just came out now. There's a Netflix show called Ainsley eats the streets and he went to Reykjavik and he hit a lot of the places that I've been to. And if you go to Reykjavik, you'll recognize a lot of the places cause it is quite small. Um, but the quote unquote number one restaurant in the country is a hot dog stand. <laughs> okay. What? Yeah. There's a hot dog stand downtown and they do these little, steamed hot dogs with this kind of sweet onion sauce and this other kind of almost sweet mustard sauce and these kind of crispy onions. It's not, it's not like a ketchup and mustard and relish hot dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lineups go down the street. It's the best drunk food. They're dirt cheap in comparison to the rest of Iceland. So, I mean, like, I guess my question on like that is like, is it number one in terms of popularity? Like number one in terms of like, quality? I, I would say popularity. I, I think it's almost, it's almost kitschy. I mean, the hot dogs are amazing. And I've, in my three trips there, I've probably had 50 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but wait, sorry, it, you said 50. They're quite small. You get like four at a time. Oh, okay. Cause I heard, I heard at first I was like 15. Okay. That's not the craziest. No, no, no. Five no, zero. No. Okay. Five zero. Yeah. They're, they're, they're uh, a delicacy. And it's one of those ones too, where I like a lot. It, it's equally packed with tourists and locals, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of nice. The one thing I've, Something I find the most interesting about Iceland is, uh, I mean, Icelanders take a ton, from my understanding, obviously, Icelanders mm-hmm. take a ton of pride in their island, but yet they all seem to want to leave because it's a small place and they've lived there their whole life and they want to go see the rest of the world. Yeah. But yet they take a lot of, you see what I mean? Like, they'll, they seem kind of almost to to laugh. They, they seem to have a slight distaste to tourists just in the sense that they're super friendly. They just seem really confused as to why someone, and I'm a prime example, as to why <laughs> someone like me would be so obsessed with their island. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, all right, like, I guess, sure, you seem to want to move here, but we all seem to want to move <laughs> move somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to speak to that a bit. I mean, like, like I'm guessing this is what you sort of got from being there and, I guess, meeting a few people from Iceland. But, um, But the want for moving, is it... Is is it like really that large? I would say I don't think it's a want to move permanently. I think it's a I think it's just a young person kind of wanderlust um, effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of Iceland's history, the reason why they got and this is again maybe generalizing, but this is mm-hmm. from me reading a book. The reason they got into such financial trouble back in the day um, is because it, part and parcel because they were doing so well in their industry, fishing and aluminum smelting because everything's geo geothermal. They can smelt pretty much like 90% of the world's aluminum. And it's a really crappy job, but for them, it didn't cost much energy because it was free energy. So they just did it. And they were, they were doing really, really well to the point where they offered any Iceland, you know, Icelander who wanted to study abroad, it would be paid for. Um, and so there was just, this generation, it was just a generation, it, it seemed to be like a generational gap where uh, young Icelanders figured, well, I can go study at Brown or I can go, you know what I mean? I can go travel. Um, and then they came back and 
the options were get into fishing, get into aluminum smelting, obviously yeah. the other options, but mm -hmm. they all were like, well, I studied economics at Brown, so I'll get into banking. And, you know, it just seemed like a, uh, this generational feeling where people wanted to go and travel. And they all, from at least my friends, they all have gone back and they're all are mm -hmm. really proud to live there and they really enjoy living there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does just feel like you hit a certain age and you're on this island and no matter how beautiful it is, it's, you just got to see something else. And so mm -hmm. when they, when they see these tourists come around telling them to their face, you, this is the best place on earth. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go, I want to go see other places. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it's, I feel like it's like the grass is greener philosophy, yeah. right? Like, yeah, almost, almost definitely. Yeah. Everything's always like better than where you where you what you know the most. But <laughs> I also feel like in the end, people just end up going back to what they know because. Um, yeah. Hey, I moved back to Ottawa. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean, I'm in Montreal right now, but I who knows if I'll move back to Toronto. I don't. I don't yeah, actually right. know that. Um, but no, that totally that totally makes sense. But I, I wanted to touch on something a bit there that you mentioned that I found um, that I found quite I, I found kind of interesting. You kind of talked about. Um, I guess there being a like like the the island itself and the the whole I guess vibe of it being taken over by by younger people is that right? Like, well, it feels. I mean, like I can't. I don't really know the demographics, but yeah. it's a it's a it's a young feeling place. You know, they're they're kind of trendy restaurants. Like I said, you know, the fashion, the art, and the music, but it just feels quite young, and it kind of comes to a head in uh in the icelandic tradition which is called uh, uh the runtur from my understanding r-u-n-t-u-r mm -hmm. and this is a a tradition which i've seen firsthand i haven't taken part in firsthand because really the only opportunity i had to do it was when i was with, there with my family but uh it's essentially on a friday night mm -hmm. come around midnight you have your friends around um to someone's place someone hosts all their friends mm -hmm. you start drinking at around midnight and then say around 2.30 in the morning, you go out to the bars. And the bars are a little scattered, but there's kind of one main drag where all the bars are. Mm -hmm. And you drink your face off from 2.30 till 6 in the morning. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like it's like freaking Mardi Gras on a street. <laughs> it's just, you know, you can take a drink from one place, you can leave, you can walk down the street, you can go into another place. There are lineups to get into all these places where music's playing. It's just, you know, the streets are packed, the bars are packed. Every single, it feels like every single person in Reykjavik comes out to drink on this street mm -hmm. um, from two to six in the morning, every single Friday and Saturday, um, and it's it's wild to see. Um, it's like it's you know it's like nothing you'd come across in Canada. It's a Queen's homecoming. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, like yeah. that, it's that level of like wild debauchery, and it's just. It feels like a very young. It just feels like a very young country in, yeah. in its energy and its um, in its spirit. Well, I, feel, I find I find that interesting because, like, I think about. Um, you also mentioned like the the whole culture clashing too. Like, you'll find a mix of like uh, of like Icelandic, like traditional Icelandic food and clothing and stuff versus all this other stuff that's coming from around there. Uh, like from around the world, I mean. Yeah, yeah. They take pride in their roots, but they're also just they're just up on it. You know what I mean? They're just. Mm -hmm. They're just up on what's tr what's trendy. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. Let's let's actually move on to, to another part of Iceland because like Reykjavik is Reykjavik. Um, the city yeah. is a city, but everything every single thing I've seen at least online and every single photo points to 
the landscape. The landscape. Yeah. So just yeah. T- tell me a little bit about that. I know you said it's hard to explain, but. Well, it's, I mean, it's dramatic is the first word that always comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there are the geysers and waterfalls and snow capped active volcanoes. And, uh, despite it sounding not dramatic glaciers, like, they're just, it's just everywhere you go, the geothermal spa, you know, the geothermal pools and there's something very, very dramatic because it's that kind of, it's very young geologically. Mm-hmm. So just, it's just things are still happening underground yeah. um, and it's just making things happen above ground that are just out of this world. You know, I'm sure you'd be familiar with the pictures of the blue lagoon. Yes. Um, you know, that kind of milky silica water and it's just, it's just the Northern lights. It just goes on and on. But I think what drew me to it um, the most and what it draws most people to is, you see, you feel like you kind of associate certain landscapes with certain feelings. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. associates a beach with relaxation. Yeah. You know, the jungle, I guess, would be adventure, whatever it may be, you know, or, or hiking a mountain or something like that. But with Iceland, it just feels, um, and it's going to sound so pretentious, but it just feels like inspirational, awe-inspiring and inspirational. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to be out there um, and just be completely content to kind of have the wind you know rattling in your ear and just kind of stare off into the distance it's easy to get caught just kind of gazing mm. into the middle distance in 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 complete uh in complete wonder just because it's it's so dramatic everywhere you turn i mean even in Reykjavik itself it's just right off the harbor right off the you know one of the sides of the the city is a gigantic snow-capped volcano mm-hmm. um it's right there in the skyline um so it's just feels raw it feels really powerful mm-hmm. um and it's yeah i mean i've done you know i've done the the kind of classic tours where you see the gulfoss which is the really big waterfall the biggest in europe not yeah. tallest but biggest and the geysers and the blue lagoon um on my most recent trip i i hiked one of the glaciers uh which two weeks prior had been shut down because of seismic activity under it okay <laughs> Um, it's just like, you know, it's just, it feels like that at all time. And there's a lot of things I haven't done, um, that, you know, pertain to the, the landscape that I really would like to, I don't drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm mostly saving my, my next big trip to Iceland until I can, because I've really only been limited to the kind of Southwest quadrant of the Island. And, and even then I could go back, you know, 10 times, uh, and be content, but, mm-hmm there's still so much to see you get, you get, you know, further West and then you've got these kind of basalt or sorry, further East or North. I'm not entirely sure, but you get the kind of black, the black beaches and the basalt kind of column cliffs. And, you know, it's just, it's just something that you wouldn't see anywhere else. These fields of kind of uh, volcanic, what looks like black pumice stone covered in um, moss, just bright green moss. It feels like an alien planet really. And in Icelandic lore, they believe in elves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't speak to if they actually believe in elves or not, but there are literally <laughs> are roads that have been constructed to go around certain areas because they believe the elves live there. <clears throat> and from my under- yeah, from my understanding, I be- they believe the elves live within rocks. That's from, from my understanding. Um, mm. But when you're standing out there and you look around and you're seeing all these kind of you know, these fields of kind of volcanic pumice stone with this moss and there are all these crevices and it's going up and down in mountains and you start to look around and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I, I could get why someone would think someone's something's living out here. Yeah. 
just uh, it just feels kind of magical. And I mean, that has I mean, it's, it's weird, but I guess that's all natural, right? Like this wasn't mm-hmm. th- there was like no th- human manufacturing of this stuff or no, at least anything, any that we know of anything natural that use any kind of any kind of major attraction. Mm hmm is just something built on top of something natural. The Blue Lagoon is natural. Um, you know, all these things. The one thing that I, I will never muster up the, the courage to do is um, the reason why it's so uh, active seismically is because the, the Eurasian and the North American tectonic plates meet right in the middle of Iceland, oh. which is why there's so much activity. And in their national park, um, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's Thingfjellir, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's a large lake in the center of it and the um, tectonic, the, the fault line goes right down the middle of the lake. And there are actually uh, tours that you can do where you scuba dive down between them, um, which uh, I, w- I will never be brave enough to do, but, you know, maybe, maybe someday, but it's, it's just, everything about it has that kind of, it's just shocking how dramatic and powerful every part of the island feels. Yeah. I think, and it's, it's. I think using the word dramatic is quite appropriate, at least from the pictures I've seen. It, yeah, it just feels like. Yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah, like, it's it, like a cluster it, it of. Really it's is. like something you'd see in a movie, but with like CGI. Yeah, honestly, there there are parts. That, I mean, like I've seen the the big geyser and and all those different things. I never got to see the Northern Lights myself. It was part of one of the tours I did, but. Uh, it's just overcast. It's always it's a crapshoot if you're gonna if you're actually gonna see them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever do travel there, the, the great part is if you don't see the Northern Lights, they don't make you pay to come back. You know, you get a, they let you have a second chance to come see them because they want you. You know, they don't want you to pay admission and not see them. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just everything about it is just you know, you think oh the Northern Lights well that's you know a really beautiful rare occasion that happens up in the Yukon or the Northwest Territories in Nunavut and then in Iceland it's just like yeah in these couple of months a year you take a boat out when it's clear boom mm-hmm. yeah you know just right there um, you can you can hike down into lava tubes under volcanoes you can climb up on the glaciers you can whitewater raft down the rivers you can scuba dive down into the tectonic plates it's just you know. All the activities are just so extreme, and uh, like that's why I say it's kind of it just feels kind of inspiring. It's it's, yeah. it's tough to put your finger on it, but yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like that's that's the case for people who like love certain places. Um, it's never really about like oh, like I like this tourist spot and I liked like this. It was like mm-hmm. I felt something. Like I felt. Yeah, this, you really, you really, really do. Yeah, I took a, I took a helicopter tour at one point, and they took us up to the top of one of the mountains. It was the shortest one you could do. Okay, um, and I would just stop by in the tourist spot once a day um, because I was, I was by myself, so I just wanted to know they're not going to fly me out by myself. So I just kept coming in saying, you know, is there a group that I could glom onto? And then finally, there was, um, and they take you up on top of one of these mountains and. You know, it's it's one of the smallest ones, and you're you're almost getting knocked over because of the wind. But you get this this kind of three sixty view, and it's just you can't throw a stone without hitting some mm-hmm. gigantic, beautiful mountain or <laughs> cliffside or river. You know, it's just it's 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 a people think it's a quite a small island. It is quite a large island in reality, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's 
it's like you took all the mountains and everything in BC and Yukon and Northwest Territories and you jammed it into, you just squeezed it into that island. It's okay. So, I mean, I, I think, like, what I'm thinking here is, like, I, I know you, I know we, well, we generally know the reason they went there the first time, but, like, I'm guessing the second and third was, like, just because you wanted to see more of what you experienced the first time? Funnily enough, every single time I've gone, I've done slightly different things, but I've stayed, I, I've done the kind of golden circle tour, which is the marquee tourist tour. They take you to the waterfall, they take you to the geyser, and they take you to the national park. Mm-hmm. I've done it three times, and I have no shame in doing it. Third time we had a car, my dad was driving, and, and uh, I kind of, did the tour for them because I had memorized it by then. Yeah. Um, but I just kept going back and I was content to see the same things and hang out in the same areas of Reykjavik and see some new places here and there. Mm-hmm. You're never going to see everything you want in the trip, but um, I could go back five more times and do the same stuff. Um, but, you know, in order to be as reasonable as possible, that's mm-hmm. why I'm waiting until I can drive. Yeah. Um, because one of the uh, one of the more genius things they did in their kind of um, revamped for tourism mm-hmm. is uh, you can rent out these camper vans now. Um, so literally, like the van that has a little kitchen, a little kitchenette, and a little mattress in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've just designated spots across the island where you can park those overnight. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there are no natural predators. The, the biggest natural predator in Iceland is a like a tiny little snow fox. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could you could camp you could put a sleeping bag down in the middle of the ground and know you're going to be completely safe overnight. So it's just, you know, part of me wants to go back and do that, do the, what they call the ring road, which is the one that goes around the entire Island, the entirety of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of camp along the way. That's, that's the next dream trip to Iceland. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) from what you're telling me, it feels like every trip is like a dream trip, but it, but I find it funny because it's not only that you're going back to the same, country it's the fact that you're going back to the same places in the same country um yeah i mean it's just i mean a lot of my friends have told me like you know there are other countries right and (laughs) and i know and i plan on going to many of them Mm -hmm. um i just why right like i just i just enjoy it so much you know what i mean like i found what i enjoy Mm -hmm. i will obviously go to other countries over my life i do love to travel yeah um but i will pepper i will pepper iceland in once every couple of years, probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. Cause, um, cause I just, I just think it's interesting that it's just like, I, you know, I think people and, and correct me if I'm wrong or anything, but I feel like people who travel, they want to find that. They want to find that place that they'll go back to forever basically because like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, it's something that's a little more common in my family. My, um, my grandparents would go to Portugal for two months a year, every year. They just kind of found the place they like to go and they went. Um, I think there can be, you you can have, I mean, it's whatever you prefer, first of all. Mm -hmm. You know, like, who cares if someone goes to the same country over and over again? Who cares if someone goes and stays two days in each city and and kind of does it quick? Um, It's totally kind of what what you feel and what you like to do. Um, I just, I like, when I travel to um, just kind of do normal stuff, that's my dog yelling in the back. Uh, they just like to do normal stuff. I mean, I, I like to just kind of find a hotel or a hostel and get up and go get a coffee at, you know, a place that I might get a coffee at twice or three times in that one seven day trip and 
walk around and, you know, kind of stumble across things as I do them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky that my partner likes to plan every single thing. So we'll have a nice balance over, over the, uh, over the years. We'll, we'll probably definitely end up hitting all the important things as the years go by. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, it's just one of those places where it just feels like you found, you just kind of found it. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I have, I have no qualms going back there 10, 20 times in my life. Well, I, I'm honestly, I'm very happy that you, you found that. Like, I, I do feel like deep down, that's what people are looking for when they travel. I mean, some of it has to do with obviously adventure, but yeah. And I mean, I, un- I understand the urge of a lot of people who just want to get, you know, every stamp on that passport. That's me. <laughs> and I, yeah. And like, and the thing is like, I, I, I get that. Like I, I love doing that as well. And that's why I did that kind of trip that I did. I just kind of did a sweeping as many as I could hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I still plan on doing that, but yeah, there's just something, there's just something about it. I, I'm sure maybe one day I, I may get tired of it mm-hmm. if I go back enough, but that's the thing too, is, is it, in visiting, it's obviously very different than living there. So like when I speak about my friends who were young and they wanted to get out, mm-hmm. who knows? I'm sure if I lived there for a year straight, maybe I'd go stir crazy, but, yeah. um, in, in 10 day stretches or eight day stretches, it's, uh, it's really, yeah, uh, it's, it's very, um, it's recharging, but in a different way than a, a beach vacation. Mm-hmm. I was a terrible, terrible creative writer in, uh, <laughs> when I went to theater school, yeah. but like day two on my first trip, I was like, I'm going to write a play. <laughs> like like, <you> just felt <laughs> like for some reason you just had all this energy all of a sudden you were just inspired. You just had all this, all these ideas come to your mind and it, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the elves, but uh, <laughs> the sprinkling yeah. of magic like yeah, productive yeah, dust bunny. Yeah. No, I mean that's to- that should be that should be totally like that goes beyond just like enjoying the place for what it is. That goes to how it 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 affects you. So, I mean, I'm I totally support something like that personally. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a place where my creativeness comes out more to be honest. But uh hey, that I'm I'm glad that you found that. But yeah, I mean, that's why I say that, you know, you got the beaches, relaxation, there's certain landscapes that make you feel adventurous, but there's just something about the combination of being out in the kind of cold, crisp air around a mountain that's snow capped, you know, the classic snow capped mountain. And it's just, there's something about it that just feels like, uh, it really just, it recharges me faster than a week on the beach. Two days in a place like that feels like it recharges my batteries faster than, uh, than anything. And I mean, I think, I think I got sick every single time. <laughs> like, like, you know, there were like, you know, you, you get there and it's, you know, sideways, sideways rain. Cause the wind is so strong and it's, it's got that, it's got that element to it, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's just something about it that just feels so worth it. Well, I mean, I know we're running out of time here, but like, does one more, one more question about like this next time that you're going, um, first off, when were you planning on going? And secondly, um, what was the plan? So for for the, the 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 most immediate one this coming summer, it'll probably just be for a, a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I've kind of I followed Team Iceland's uh, journey to the World Cup, mm-hmm. and uh, you know shared my exuberance and excitement with my Icelandic friends over Facebook, um, who I got into the Blue Jays when I lived in Toronto. So it was kind of like a trade off. Um, so when the Blue Jays were in the playoffs, they would be messaging me on Facebook, and when Iceland was going for the World Cup. I was 
in constant contact with them. So, I, I mean, this trip will probably just be a, a really quick stopover on the way back from Croatia and, um, and um, you know, just to pop in and, and, and watch a game with them downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the next full trip, I want to go during the, the warmer months. I've always gone in Oct- October, November, and January were the three times I went. Okay, so colder months, yeah. Colder and darker for longer, yeah. right? It's so far north. Like the first time I went in January, it was, you know, like, oh, the sun came up at 1130 in the morning and it went down at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to kind of see the flip side. And obviously I think it is much more in bloom in terms of just like the greenery. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of necessarily foliage or flowers, but yeah. the greenery and that, that, you know, if you ever Google a picture of Iceland, a lot of it is just green, like moss green. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to do it in a summer month. But I want to do it at a time in which, obviously, that I can drive. And the plan would be, barring it getting more and more expensive as it goes along, I don't think it will. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, it feels like it's bound for a bit of a, a drop in tourism um, because it feels like a lot of people have done it. Okay. Um, and you can almost feel – you sense a little bit of fear in, in Reykjavik about that. There are a lot of – buildings going up and hotels going up and there yeah. there seems to be an underlying fear that in five years they're not going to be full mm-hmm. um, which i don't think is the case i think once people go enough times they will be convinced to go back mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah i want to go back in and barring it's not too expensive I, I really would love to do that at least it doesn't be the camper van but <laughs> i would love to just do the kind of the, the real you know sleeping bag on the ground you yeah. know travel around the entire island Maybe go and see the Faroe Islands nearby as well. Yeah. I've always been interested in those. So, Well, that's the way it should be, honestly. I mean... Yeah. yeah. I mean, and especially in an, when, you, when you feel what it's like on that countryside or if you've seen the pictures, um, it really seems to make sense to, to just want to kind of do that, uh, do that kind of real camping style. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's head it off there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot more about Iceland. Like it's funny because I've never been, so I, I I've stopped over there multiple times on the way to Sweden. But Keflavik, Keflavik Airport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's every single time Keflavik stop over like yeah. one hour. Um, yeah. So I've never actually been to see it, but you've got me curious and you've got me convinced. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's I, I'd strongly recommend it to everyone. Like I said, I was always so afraid that I was. I had a personal attachment. Obviously, when I also went, it was right after, you know, in the circumstance, it was very shortly after what had happened with my mother. And, and it was it was kind of a, a pilgrimage, but it was a or, or a soul search. But it, it mm-hmm. just felt like the right thing to do. And, and maybe it was just simply because I don't think so. But mm-hmm. maybe I attribute some of my affinity to it, to the fact that it was the circumstances around it. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that I did it. Uh, it was the first country I went to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I doubt it would have got lost in the shuffle had it not been, but due to the circumstance and that just being the first time traveling alone, it really had an impact on me. And I, I was always just so afraid that when I talked it up like crazy to my friends that they'd go there and go, yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> but they, they've all come back and been like, Oh, it was amazing. It was, you know, you, it was everything you said it was. So well, I mean, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm honestly hoping that it's everything that you that you said it was when I go. And they all uh, speak perfect English. They speak yeah. better English than I do. They're Which all is, beautiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I get that part too. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I, fi- yeah. I just find that to be the biggest pattern in, in all of Scandinavia. I've never understood why. They're just all so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just like people working at like the coffee place. I'm like, Oh, you could be Miss universe. Or, yes. Oh, you could be a supermodel. You could be like a male underwear model. And it's yeah. just like, you're just working a Joe job. Yeah. <laughs> why are you all so attractive? Like when I was in so well, yeah. Like when I was in, um, when I was in, when I first went to Stockholm, actually, like, um, I was, I was in a McDonald's and one of the janitors I saw, I was like, Oh my gosh, she could honestly be a supermodel. Like, yeah. Like she had the height, she had like, like the look and everything, like literally not even like, Oh, she's beautiful. It was like, Nope. She has the qualities that people look for in supermodels. Yeah. Um, They're just like, uh, like my buddy, like even my buddy, Look at this also freakish natural physical ability. I, this is again super generalizing, but <laughs> I took my Iceland, I took my Icelandic friends to a baseball game when they were in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, and I was explaining the rules. And then they wanted to play, so we found a batting cage way out by the airport in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took them there, and I handed my buddy Hawk a baseball bat, and he's like six foot three and pretty built. <laughs> yeah, and he's never swung a baseball bat in his life. And we go, you know, to the slow cage and then the faster cage. And then, I mean, I played enough baseball that I thought I was going to look cool in front of these people. (laughs) I'm swinging and missing at every single 60-mile-per-hour ball. He's hitting every single one clean. And he's never (laughs) touched a baseball bat. Yeah. I made the joke that I should have just, like, uh, pitched myself as a European scout for any MLB team and then just (laughs) hire a bunch of Icelandic dudes. (laughs) Like all the natural, like, athletic ability, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's awesome. Well, honestly, um, I'd, I'd honestly love to hear more, but but time constraints. So, oh, yeah. uh, honestly, thank you for coming on. I uh, oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for deeming me uh, worthy enough to, to talk about it. No, for sure. I mean, you you were talking about it a lot before, so I thought it would be nice to share your story with uh, with my small but growing community. So, it's very much appreciated. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Have yourself a good one. All right. You too. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. If you want to hear more, then make sure to subscribe to the Small World Podcast on Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much, and I'll see you in the next one.